Amen. Amen. We're so thankful that the powerful name of Jesus is active and working in our lives. I want to pray for us as we get ready to open God's word together. Will you join me in prayer? And God, we love you so much. And we thank you for the opportunity it is to gather today. And as we open your word, we pray that you'd speak to us. God, that we would hear from you in our lives would be forever changed. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated as you're sitting down. Say hey to somebody around you. It is so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. Again, I want to say welcome to every one of you who are here for the first time. I think you picked an incredible weekend to join us. It's Baptism Sunday at Propel, and we're going to see God do some incredible things. We're excited um, for every person. We, we had the opportunity in the 9 a.m. worship experience to baptize five people, and so we're excited about what God... Come on, we can celebrate that. Five people made decisions to go public with their faith, and now during this next worship experience, we believe that more people are going to do that as well because God is moving and active. So today, if you're here for the first time, again, we want to say welcome to you. We're excited if you're joining us online. We're excited that you're here. This is Baptism Sunday, and so at Propel Church, during a baptism weekend, we, we, we basically teach on baptism. We talk about, I think it's one of those things that the church doesn't talk a whole lot about, and it's something that's overlooked a little bit, but we believe in the value of teaching on baptism, talking about it, because it's something that God wants each and every single one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to take that next step and do. And so my hope for you, my prayer for you today is that you would simply take whatever step God lays in front of you. I think there's power in taking next steps. There's power in you and I seeing what God is doing in us and through us and around us and going, okay, I'm willing to take the next step. And so today I'm gonna to talk about baptism, but I'm gonna read you a passage of scripture out of Romans, Romans chapter one, beginning in verse 16. If you have a Bible, you can pick it up there, or you, there's one available on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you access to God's Word. And so if you stop at the Welcome Center, they'll be able to give you a Bible as our gift to you, free of charge, thanks to the generosity of the people here at Propel Church. We want to make sure you have access to a Bible that you can read. So nothing wrong with King James. And people ask all the time, you know, hey, what what passage, what translation does God want you to read? The, the one you can read. That's, that's the one. His main objective is for you to open his word. And so if you don't have a Bible that you can understand or you can read, we'd love to give you one as our gift to you. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this. It says, For I am unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Paul is writing this in, in Romans to the church of Rome, and, and he's telling them, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But what is the gospel? It's this good news that I think the first thing that you and I have to know this morning is that salvation is for everyone. So it's not just for a select few people. It's not for the perfect people. Salvation is for all people, and it's really good news. And in order to understand the gospel, in order to understand the good news of Jesus, you and I have to actually go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and open up Genesis chapter 1. Some people will say that, man, the Old Testament, you don't have to worry about that. Just pick up the New Testament. And, and if you ever sit under a leader that teaches you that, you need to find a new leader. <laughs> because the Old Testament is so important. 
We go back to Genesis 1 to find out that you and I were actually created and made to live with God in perfection. He creates Adam and Eve, and he says it's good. He says that there's one thing that's not good, and it's for man to be alone. So he makes Eve, and, and, and then Adam and Eve have ruled. They have dominion over everything. Adam had the coolest job in the world. He got to name all the animals. I mean, how do you come up with something like hippopotamus, right? Like, you get bored. That's how. So he's going through all of these things to do, but he's living in perfection with God. It's incredible. But God says, hey, look, there's one thing that you shouldn't do, and that's eat from this tree. And the tree is the knowledge of both good and evil. So it's not just a bad tree. There's good stuff that comes out of it. But if you eat from it, it's going to open you up to things that you don't want to be exposed to. You're, you're created to live in perfection with me. You say, well, why, why would God do that? Why would he create the ability for them to mess up or make a mistake? Because it's not really love if there's no choice involved in it. God didn't create you and I to be robots. He gave us free will. He gave us choice. So Adam and Eve in the garden choose. The, the serpent convinces Eve that God is withholding something from her. And, and so she feels like, well, well if I... He's just trying to keep something from me. So she eats of the fruit. And a lot of times people go, well, man, you know, why? Why, why did Adam eat the fruit after Eve? And some people believe that it was this big romantic thing. Like Adam knew that as Eve took the bite of the fruit, we don't know if it was an apple or if it was a pear or whatever it was, but she took a bite of the fruit. He knew that he would be eternally separated from her and he couldn't imagine his love being all by herself. So he chose to eat the fruit as well. I don't think that's the case. I think Adam saw his wife. She was naked. She had fruit. She said, here. He said, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. So Eve gives Adam the fruit. They bite the fruit. And Scripture says immediately their eyes were opened. That they realized this, that they were naked. They realized this sin, this guilt, this shame. So they do what most of us do when we feel like we've sinned or we've fallen short. The first thing they do is they cover it up. Scripture teaches us that they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. The next thing they do is they go and hide. You know, I've done that. We feel guilty, we feel shameful, so we hide hoping that no one will find us. And then the third thing they do is they, they blame each other. They play the blame game. God comes to Adam and Adam says, look, man, you gave her to me. I think this is really on you. And sin enters the world. But right there in Genesis chapter 3, Scripture shows us that God slaughters an animal and uses the skin of that animal to cover their nakedness. To symbolically show us that bloodshed would have to take place in order for the sins of man to be covered. And in Genesis chapter 3, God begins his redemptive work to restore you and I back into perfection with him. But he doesn't wait till we're good enough. He doesn't wait till we measure up. He doesn't wait till we can fix this thing on our own. He comes to us in the form of Jesus because the penalty for sin is death. And when you and I sin, you and I don't even have to, to, to feel like, man, well, well, Eve messed it up for us. No, you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. We've sinned. And the moment you sin, Scripture shows us that the payment of that is death. But God desired relationship with you and I. So he sent Jesus to die the death that we deserved, to pay the price that we owed, so that through him 
we could have everlasting life. And when Paul says that he's unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to bring salvation to everyone in this day, that was unheard of. You see that it says first to the Jews and and then to the Gentiles. Paul is telling them. He's making sure they know because for so long it's just been about God's people and these select few people. And the Gentiles, they were on their own. But Paul says now, because of Jesus, the good news, the, the power of God, anybody can have access to God. Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait till you have it all together. Jesus came for you in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your uncertainty. Salvation is for everyone. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Salvation is for everybody. So when he picks it up in Romans 1.16, he's, he's told the church in the previous verses, man, I can't wait to be with you. I'm so excited to share the good news of the gospel. And yeah, there's persecution going on, but I'm unashamed of the gospel. I, I'm not afraid to tell people about it. I'm so excited and I'm so, uh, so passionate to tell everybody about it because I know that the good news of Jesus can change people's lives. So the second thing that we see is that this good news is meant to be shared with others. Yes, salvation is for everyone, but if you keep it to yourself, you're selfish. If you really believe that God can and will change people's lives by simply placing their hope and trust in him, it would be ridiculous for you and I to hoard it for ourselves. Paul says if you really understood the goodness, the power of God that has the power to save all people, you wouldn't be ashamed of it. You tell somebody about it. Let me ask you this. If you had the cure for cancer, would you share it with people? Absolutely. If you had the cure for AIDS, would you share that with people? Absolutely. You and I have the cure for this thing that has killed every single person. It's called death. That when you place your hope and your trust in Jesus, death is no longer the ending point. It's just the beginning of your life. That you and I get to be reunited with God in perfection, the way we were originally created. So this good news of the gospel is meant to be shared with other people. This is what Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says. It says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill that can't be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead... A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Matthew shows us that, he says, you are the light of the world. I think the reason why the world is so dark is because the church is so dim. And because people who claim to be followers of Jesus aren't willing to step up and be the light that God has created us to be. He says, you, you. Turn to somebody and say, you. Y'all did bad at that. Try it again. <laughs> he says, you are the light of the world. Yeah, like all your faults and your failures and your flaws, and, and yeah, you got mistakes, and yeah, you cut people off in traffic and tell them you're number one, but, but sure. Come on, that's why half of y'all don't have a Propel Church sticker on the back of your car. You, you can't handle that kind of accountability. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill that, that can't be hidden. You don't, you don't light a lamp and then put a basket over it. Because if you do that, 
the lamp will never be able to fulfill its intended purpose. And what Matthew shows us is, hey, if you and I aren't sharing the goodness of God, if we're not telling others about the fact that salvation is for everyone, that it's not for perfect people, that God isn't waiting for you to clean yourself up first or to get rid of your drug addiction first. He's not waiting for you to fix your marriage. He's not waiting for you to have the perfect job. He's not waiting for your income status or your economic status to shift. It's for all people at all times. He says, if if we're not sharing that, you're not fulfilling your intended purpose. You're not able to step into all that God has for you because you're missing out on it. And I love the fact that he says, so your deeds will shine so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So it's actually not about you being lifted up at all. You're saying when they see that good stuff in you, they're going to realize a jacked up person like you has to have a supernatural power at work within them to do what you do. Right? That's what I love about Acts. You know, Acts, it shows us that the, the, the people of the time, they were looking at the disciples and the apostles, and, and they said, we realized they were ordinary men. If you, if you read it, um, what it translates to back from the, the Greek into English is we realized they were uneducated, normal people. Like, yo, they were idiots, right? <laughs> but God was doing something, I pray that it's said about my life, that when people look at it and everything that I've done or everything that I've accomplished, they look at it and go, there's no way that could have happened without a big God. Because when we get there, I think we get to see all that God has for us. But you know, God is so incredible and all throughout scripture, some of you are like, what does this got to do with baptism? I'll tell you. All throughout scripture, God is a God of systems. He's a God of processes. I I used to not like systems and processes because they took time. I've learned to value systems and processes. God builds systems all throughout Scripture. So God actually builds a system for you and I to experience healing in our life. And he does that through community. He does that through groups. So so James 5.16 shows us to confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. So we go to God for forgiveness. We go to God's people for healing. There's a system at work. God built the system of baptism to help you and I go public with our faith. Because if you and I can't go public in the context of the local church, it's going to be very difficult to go public with our faith in the workplace. It's going to be very difficult to go public with our faith in our homes, in our schools, in the environments that we're a part of. I think so many people just simply keep their faith private. But what God wants you to do is to get into the rhythm of sharing your faith. And so baptism is the first step to your faith becoming public. Baptism is the first step to your faith becoming public. Far too many people have their faith private. If your faith was intended to simply be private, like like whenever somebody says, oh, that's just between me and the Lord, it's not, or it shouldn't be because you have no accountability structure around your life. If God wanted you to do this faith thing on your own, he wouldn't have invented the thing called the body of Christ. There wouldn't be the local church. You can't do life alone. You weren't created to do this thing on your own. And if you can't publicly declare your faith in a room full of people who will actually celebrate with you, it'll be very hard to do it in a room full of people who think differently than you. So baptism is the first step to going public with your faith. I love what Mark 16, 16 says. 
It says, then go into all the world, go everywhere, and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all. That whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is condemned. Now, I want to make it very clear what, what this passage of Scripture is not saying is that baptism saves you. Because baptism doesn't save you. The only thing you need for salvation is Jesus. But when he says that, that whoever believes and is baptized is saved, I, I think what he's saying is if someone's not willing to go public with a private decision, then the private decision wasn't genuine. Imagine this scenario for a moment. I've got a wonderful wife. Her name is Tori. I think she's an absolutely incredible woman. But on our wedding day, we get married. We go back to the house. I go, hey, girl, love you. But here's the thing. I actually can't be seen in public with you. Yeah, like, yeah, all right. No, I know this is kind of difficult um, for me to explain. I know you're like a big part of my life and everything. But I have to make sure that my friends know nothing about you. I have to make sure that, that you actually, you can't leave the house with me. We can't go out in public together. But when I come home, you got me. How many of you know that wouldn't work at all? Right? Because the mark of a genuine relationship is the willingness to go public with it. Like, I can't say that I love my wife in private, but never love her in public. Because a genuine relationship is marked by it being public. Right? That's how you know. When somebody actually got in a relationship, it's Facebook official. <laughs> Because we've gone public with it. Your private decision to follow Jesus should be followed by the public declaration of baptism. Your private decision to follow Jesus should be followed by public declaration. And that's what I love about baptism. Is baptism is where you and I take the first steps to taking what is private and allowing it to become public. To say, hey, I don't want to wait. I don't want to sit behind the wheel or, 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 or let my life just fly by without people knowing that, yes, salvation is for everyone. And you need to share that good news with other people. I think what happens when you and I choose to make the decision to go public with our faith through baptism, something incredible happens. I think God kickstarts your ability to share your faith. I think God makes things start shifting and moving in the atmosphere of your spiritual walk because you are doing what he's called you to do. Baptism is an important part of any person who says they're following Jesus' life. I think it's the next step once you've said yes to Jesus. All throughout Scripture, we see that baptism happens after salvation. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to two groups of people today and, and, and talk with you about baptism. Maybe you're here, and you're going, hey, I don't know, Pastor, if I, if I need to get baptized or not. I think if you're here today, and maybe you were baptized as a kid or, or, or you know, young, maybe you were even an adult or a teenager, and you were baptized because everybody else was doing it, or like your mom came to you, and she was like, yo, your brother's getting baptized, grandma's in town, family picture day, let's do this. I think you need to get baptized today. Because baptism happens after salvation. So you may have made a decision. You may have been baptized at a young age, but if you haven't been baptized since you've gone and publicly, and since you've declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to get baptized. 
because no one can own salvation for you. No one can choose to give you salvation. Salvation only comes through you placing your hope and your trust in Jesus. And once you've done that, it's time to go public with your faith. And the second group of people I wanna to talk to are those who, who were baptized as a baby. Now, I, know, I don't need your grandma or your mama throwing a pitchfork at me, but here's, here's the truth. Nowhere in scripture do we see infant baptism. In fact, infant baptism was rooted in church tradition where it, it came from a time period where babies were dying at a rapid rate and in order to give comfort to families, they were baptizing infants. What we see all throughout scripture is that baptism happens after salvation. And so maybe you were baptized as an infant, but since then you've said, hey, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I wanna go public with my faith. I think you need to get baptized. And when you do that, you're not standing in contradiction of the decision that your parents made. You're standing in confirmation of it. Because that moment where your parents said, we're baptizing our child, what they're saying is, hey, I want my kid to grow up and love Jesus and serve God with their whole heart. And now years later, you're going, hey, I've decided that I'm gonna love Jesus and I'm gonna serve Jesus. But that decision has to be yours. Baptism happens after salvation. And I think today that there is so much power and blessing when you make the decision to be obedient to what God has for you. I believe there are some of you in here today who are going to get baptized that, that you didn't plan on getting baptized. There's a couple people here that are scheduled to get baptized and some of you aren't. I'm going to go over that in just a second. But here's what I want to do. Before, before we talk a, a, about baptism and, and what's going to go down, um, I wanna take a moment and pray because I believe that there are some people in here who actually need to make a decision to follow Jesus today. You heard the good news of the gospel that God is for you, that his grace is sufficient, and his desire is to pay for your sins through the payment of Jesus. But if you've never said yes to him, then he's not your Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, Maybe you're here and you say, hey, I, I've been playing games with God or, or I know that he's drawing me to make a decision for him. And I wanna surrender control of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I see those. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody's gonna pray alone. We're all gonna pray together. Will you say this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions for Jesus? And now I want to talk to you about baptism for a second. Because for some of you who just made that decision, today's the day where you go, public with your faith. Others of you may have said yes to Jesus a month ago or five years ago, 10 years ago, and you need to go public with your faith. Regardless of where you're at today, we want you to know that we're ready for you. So you may not have brought a change of clothes or anything like that, but here at Propel Church, we believe in removing every obstacle or every barrier that might stand in your way of being obedient to do what God's called you to do. And so we've got towels for you. I'm, I can't get the towel out the bag first. We got shorts 
for you if you need to get baptized today. We got underwear for you if you need to get baptized today. We got t-shirts for you if you want to get baptized today. We got towels for you. There's bags to throw your clothes in. There's even, I wouldn't take the journal in the water with you, but we got a journal for you too. Because we want to make sure that you're able to follow through with wherever God's leading you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes with me one more time. And I want you to simply ask this question. God, do I need to get baptized today? I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, there are going to be people who are making their ways out of your aisle and out of your rows. And I want you to clap your hands and celebrate with them louder than you ever have before. Let me pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, I pray right now that you'd open the hearts of people. Lord, that anybody who needs to make the decision to go public with their faith today, God, that they would surrender it to you and they would do that. If you want to go public with your faith, when I count to three, you're going to walk straight out the auditorium doors. There's going to be people who are out there with bags ready to go. One, come on, God, give them boldness. Two, three. Come on, can we celebrate, church? People are moving. Amen. To go public with their faith. Yeah. We're going to watch God do some incredible things in in just a second. We're going to celebrate baptism together out in the lobby. (laughs) As we get ready to do that, here's what we're going to do. They need some time to change, and we're going to worship together. Now, if you've never, there ain't no party like a Jesus party. So I'm just saying, and I did a lot of drugs before Jesus, so I'm just giving you, we're going to worship Jesus together. As we sing this next song, my hope for you, my prayer for you is that your heart would be positioned towards God, that you would worship him and you just surrender anything you're carrying, anything you're holding on to, you just say, God, it's yours. I love you. I trust you. Let's worship.